Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 24. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here on this Monday edition of the podcast. Steelers Nation getting ready for Week 2, the final game of Week 2, Monday Night Doubleheader Pittsburgh, playing the later game at 8.15 tonight at Stadium against the Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh 0-1, Cleveland 1-0. Dave, it may only be Week 2, but this one feels pretty important to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it does, uh, uh, for sure. And you look at the historical, uh, happy Monday, by the way, uh, when you look at the historical nature uh, of 0-2 starts, even prior to the 17-game schedule, <laughs> it's it's generally not great, uh, obviously, when you start off 0-2. Now, I know there's been some stats thrown out there over the last couple seasons with the new uh, playoff format and all like that, but even so, uh, it, it still stands that you're putting yourself in a big hole if you go 0-2. I mean, you got, what, how many teams around the league right now? Uh, are sit at, uh, let me see here coming out of yesterday. How many teams are owing to you got the Patriots owing to first mm. time that's happened since 2001 when some guy named Tom Brady took over. <laughs> that was uh, a good oh, stack pull by you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. They, uh, they, that, that turned out pretty good for them. Uh, the Bengals owing to who mm. saw that coming, uh, Houston owing to the chargers owing to, I don't know if I saw that one coming Denver owing to, Let's see who else out there. Minnesota and Chicago both 0-2, and the Arizona Cardinals 0-2. So the Steelers don't need to be uh, in 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 that group. And look, they've got kind of a bit of a a break if you want to call it that, because you know here we are thinking the, the Bengals are going to uh, roll again, and they're they're 0-2 to start the season. And this obviously is a divisional game uh, with the uh, with the Browns and uh, the Bengals are now what 0-2 in the division. So this could have you know uh, residual kind of impact you know later on in the season here. But look, you you, you got to play them one game at a time. Uh, this game's at home. You go on the road for the next couple of weeks here. It would behoove them to find a way to win this game, obviously, Monday night. That it would, although the Bengals were 0-2 to start last year, but they weren't both divisional losses. The right. one was the Pittsburgh, of course. They lost to, I forget who they lost to, the Cowboys or the Jets or somebody. I forget who it was. But, yeah, if you're Pittsburgh, you don't want to be 0-2, let Cleveland go to 2-0 and be 2-0 and in the North. Well, Baltimore's 2-0 and with an AFC North win and hand over the Bengals yesterday. So not going to call this must win, but my terrible take today is it, it, it means so much, I think, not only for your record, obviously, but but your psyche. You know, to 0-1, no one panics. Everyone says it's one game. Week one's weird. Throw it out the window. But you're 0-2, and you lose one of those games to the Browns, and you've lost both games to start your season at home. It's hard not to panic, hard not to feel that, and you're digging yourself a hole to climb out of so early into a season. Absolutely. Big, big game. And, you know, you, there's, you know, the optimism level from where you probably sit right now after seeing what you, what you saw. And then you look, you throw on top of it, you know, look, the 49ers are a very good team. We know that, but the Rams were able to uh, hang with them. And, you know, you kind of look at that and, and the Rams are a kind of team that I thought, you know, uh, might be in bat. You know, might might sort of be battling for uh, potentially a top. Uh, you know, the the number one draft pick this year. They they kind of held their own and was a obviously able to score on the 49ers. And you look at that, that gets you even more frustrated with uh, the uh, the inability of the Steelers' offense to do anything uh, last week as well, too. But we're on to week two, Alex. We're on to we're on to Monday night, and that that that's where our focus needs to be right now. And obviously, after the game happens, we'll. We'll look look at it and dissect it and uh, see where they're at. And let's start with the injury report. Uh, now, usually on our Friday show, we can have a pretty good sense for the final injury report, although it does officially come out until after we're done recording. But because of the Monday night game, team had to 
practice on Saturday. And so the final report did not come out until the weekend. Two players ruled out for the Steelers. One we knew, Deontay Johnson, that did not practice all week. He is out. And joining him, unfortunately, is running back Anthony McFarland Jr. with a knee injury that apparently happened at some point in week one. He also did not practice at all this week, and he is out. Uh, on the good news side, Chakuma Korfor was a full participant on Saturday. He has exited concussion protocol. He had no game status for tonight, so he will play Ditto with James Daniels, Pat Frymuth, and a good sign for Larry Ogunjobi practicing in full on Saturday after not practicing on Friday. No designation for him, and so he will play. George Pickens did show up Saturday limited with a hamstring injury, but no game status on him. So he will play, must have been really, really minor overall. So highlighting the players not participating, Cam Hayward on IR, obviously. No Deontay Johnson, no Anthony McFarland. And we'll see if this team makes any elevations to the roster in a few hours. Yeah, and Quadre Olison could be one of those. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're now uh, potentially looking at happening a few hours from now, and obviously we'll wait and see what, what happens with Fajoko if he gets elevated there. It doesn't feel like that. Kind of listening to kind of what some some quotes that Armand Watts had uh, this past week, it, it it feels like he he expects to be in uniform after being inactive last week. So uh, I don't th- I think it's far from guaranteed uh, on on Fajoko getting elevated, but we'll definitely see. And then Olison I think uh, seems to think that he has a pretty good chance with Anthony McFarland uh, uh, being out this week. Although K- uh, Connor Hayward did supposedly get some repetitions in some way, shape, form, and obviously go back to the preseason and, and the carries that they got him. So it's going to be interesting to see over the next course. This will obviously happen after we record this podcast Monday, but uh, see what, if any, elevations there are and how that might impact uh, the inactive list uh, later on tonight. Did we get the uh, transaction the other day of, uh, hey, we're going on, 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 on IR and Des Fitzpatrick being signed off the practice squad? When did that happen? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. I think we had talked about that, right? Um, getting the days all kind of running together. Wasn't that Thursday, last Thursday, that they officially, I want to say, made that move? Yeah, that that, that sounds correct. Uh, I guess the big question now is what happens. Uh, uh, well, you know, with 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 McFarland out, you know, you're obviously going to have a new kick returner, and you would think that would probably be Gunnar Olszewski, right? Yeah, I can't think of any other option. I mean, Austin has not really worked kicks in college or in Pittsburgh, so it's almost guaranteed to be Olszewski. All right. Uh, so, he, you know, obviously Deontay's going to be down. Uh, do you see Fitzpatrick, you know, they with Fitzpatrick being signed to the uh, to the 53, they're back to at least six uh, healthy uh, wide receivers. Fitzpatrick going to be down or is he going to be up? Is Miles Boykin going to be down? It feels like one of the, you know, in addition to Deontay Johnson, one other wide receiver is going to be inactive tonight. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to call up Fitzpatrick, your first thought is they have a plan for him to play, but Boykin was not on the injury report. And so he should be good. And, you know, Fitzpatrick kind of really made his mark in stadium action in the preseason for his gunner work on the punt coverage team. And I don't think he's going to get the hat over Boykin. So, I mean, it just depends on some of these roster elevations and I haven't, you know, sat down to, to, to probably map it out the way that you have, but Fitzpatrick may still be inactive. Yeah, I think so as well, too. If he's not, and if Boykin is indeed active, that could mean no helmet for James Pierre. Right. So, but you probably want to have that extra corner than an extra, you know, wide receiver like a Des Fitzpatrick. So, I mean, we'll see overall. Yeah, with Vahoko, it's a good question. I mean, we kind of assumed early in the week that he would get elevated, but there is no guarantee of that. They already have two nose tackles in Adams and Benton, and they're going to, you know, probably play Benton quite a bit in this one. I just think in a game like this against Cleveland, it's going to run the ball a ton and, and do so effectively. You probably want a good plugger in the middle, but maybe because they're a bit more of a zone scheme, you need some athleticism to work down the line. Fahoko, in some respect, may not be an ideal fit to defend that. 
That's a good point as well, too. And that's going to be part of uh, what we're talking about in preview in this game, too. Uh, the way they run that football and they obviously use different, you know, all the running schemes, though. But they uh, they do like to lean on that outside zone. I get so jealous when I see <laughs> uh, when I see teams that it can effectively run that outside zone. And 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 they certainly can. And they're even better at it, obviously, when when Nick Chubb uh, is the one running behind it. Let's flip over to the Browns, and they will be, or expected to be, I should say, without their top weapon, the way that Pittsburgh is. Amari Cooper aggravating a groin injury on Saturday's practice. He is officially listed as questionable, but according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, he is unlikely and not expected to play in this game. Browns may give him an extra week to get healthy, and so if Cooper can't go, their top targets become Elijah Moore, who was productive in week one. Uh, the rookie Cedric Tillman, the big-bodied former Michigan man, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, of course, David Njoku, the tight end, and a healthy dose of that run game. So not official on Cooper, but it appears he will not play, which is good because he certainly had his fair share of success against Pittsburgh. Yeah, a little bit of an equalizer, if you will, right? Especially with the Steelers not having Deontay Johnson. Uh, it it. You know, look, they, they've obviously got some good receivers over there and they they're probably going to lean heavy, heavy on the running game. But, uh, you know, a, a healthy Amari Cooper out there pre- presents some uh, some issues. And once again, I, I this is a, an equalizer of sorts, if you will, if indeed he doesn't dress and it doesn't sound like he will. Yeah, I mean, you got two really high-level route runners in Cooper and Johnson not playing in this one. So, the, the, as you said, equalize is probably a really good word for it overall. So, what team is better equipped, though, to handle missing their top weapon? Just based on that one-week snapshot last week, you would say the Browns. But, you know, we'll just have to, to wait and see. And the rest of the injury report for the Browns going into the weekend was uh, Juan Thornhill is questionable with a calf and Siaki Ika with a foot uh, defensive tackle questionable. So going to be interesting to see uh, if either of those two guys dress. Yeah, neither of them played in week one. Thornhill, one of the big free agent acquisitions. Ika, one of their top draft picks, believe their second overall selection in the third round uh, behind Cedric Tillman. So we'll see if those guys can go. Um, anything else happen over the weekend news-wise that I, I might be missing right now, Dave? Uh, what do you mean? Steeler-wise or just big picture-wise? or, or, or uh, I guess Steeler's choice, either or. Um, I just want to make sure I'm not missing any sort of transactional news or any major story before we kind of jump into our analysis and preview of this game. Yeah, I think we got most of it there. Should note, actually, uh, Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams is being evaluated for a concussion, and so that's something to monitor. I know we're all focused on week two, but next Sunday night will come around pretty quick. Steelers Raiders on Sunday night in week three, and Adams may not play because he's concussed, and they did not have Jacoby Myers. Uh, He was concussed in week one. I'm guessing he'll be back for week three, but no Adams would be obviously very notable for a Raiders team not off to a good start. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they they looked uh, okay early against the Buffalo Bills. And, boy, Buffalo just took Josh Allen. Uh, 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 the rumors of Josh Allen's demise were greatly <laughs> exaggerated. Uh, he looked really, really good uh, in that game. And uh, the uh, the Raiders, uh, you know, uh, they, they couldn't run what uh, Josh Jacobs had, what, negative – yeah, you had more. We had more yards than Josh Jacobs. Did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, negative two yards uh, in, you know, in, 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 in that game there. They, they couldn't do anything after that first quarter. All right, Dave, let's jump into our analysis and start previewing this game tonight against the Browns. Again, 815 Eastern time at Acrisure Stadium, Cleveland, 1-0 off their great 24-3 win over Cincinnati in the opener. Pittsburgh 0-1, losing to the 49ers 30-7 in week number one. Let's start with this Browns offense and... Everyone knows you have to contain, slow down that run game. Easier said than done, especially without Kim Hayward. If you're Terrell Austin, if you're Mike Tomlin, how are you trying to minimize that potent Browns running attack? 
Yeah, good question. Uh, and once again, they, they, you know, their their running game. Look, they 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 lost Conklin at at right tackle, but uh, Daywan Jones is going to make his first uh, NFL start. Uh, the rest of that line really looks good. And I know you probably saw the Wyatt Teller uh, uh, video from 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 last week, and uh, the way those guys are able to get off the ball and get out into space. And once again, uh, they ran. I think it was eight or nine total outside outside zone plays uh, in that game against the Bengals. And I think five or six of them, Chubb, uh, six of them, I think uh, uh, Chubb uh, w- was running in and, you know, they had some nice gains on that. Uh, not so much with, uh, with uh, their other running back, uh, Jerome Ford, uh, but this is a team that, runs all the schemes up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do, uh, they, they get that outside zone going early and get you concerned about that. Then they'll boot off of that, you know, have the, have the flow going one way and then get to Sean Watson out in space. But the best way to, uh, defend it, uh, you know, is, is, is you've got to do some of you, you got to do some of the principles when it comes to your defensive line, you've got to stay, uh, square and in your gap. And, and almost, you know, when we talked years ago with, uh, Chris Hoke, you know, ab- ab- about stopping that outside zone there, you know, it's almost gotta be a course line effect where you go step in step, uh, with mm-hmm. a, with a dance partner up front there. And because if one guy gets behind in that course line and gets turned out, that opens up that crease there and Nick Chubb is probably going to hit it. So I think first and foremost, you have to, uh, 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 be worried about the outside zone and really have to read your keys within that. But, you know, on top of it, it's not like they only run outside zone. They'll run inside zone. Sure. They'll, they'll run, you know, uh, 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 gap and, and man, I mean, they do all of it well there, but you know, you're just going to have to be on your keys. You, you, everybody, you know, your linebackers have got to be gap sound. Uh, you got to flow to the football real well on those outside zones and you've you can't let this team get ahead of the chains the way the 49ers did against you on the ground because that opens up everything else that they want to do. And once again, uh, if they're successful with that outside zone uh, early, you're going to see boots off of that. And they really start using using uh, your 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 anxiety against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you said that really well, David. There was unfortunately no magic bullet to stopping this run game many teams have tried before it really is about being able to float on the line not get reached not get cut off i think i think the strong safeties in this game are going to really play an important role i imagine pittsburgh's going to load up the box to try to you know contain and, and minimize that run game so a keanu neal in your base package maybe some monte casey i don't know how much big nickel we'll see maybe a couple snaps we saw it in week number one but i think the you know you get the eighth man in the box maybe some some free unblocked moments for those guys. Can they make plays on Chubb and get him to the ground or at least, you know, be able to spill, uh, spill the run or box it inside or something like that. So just play with good leverage. So I think maybe get a couple of those unblocked safeties to come down, hopefully make some plays. Cause I, you know, you want to, you, know, you want to attack and you want to maybe penetrate, but you don't want to, you know, have them run gap, like you said, and they'll, they'll pin those guys down and be able to bounce the run to the outside. So there's a, a risk reward to trying to be over aggressive in this game. Right, right, for sure. And look, I mean, we can talk, we can sit here and talk about that's what they need to do, but they, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, they got to do it, you know, and, you know, we've heard a couple of linebackers and, and a couple of players talk about they've got to tackle better. And that, that's something that they are, because look, you miss one tackle. And we saw that last week against Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Chubb is yet another one that can go 30, 40, 60 yards uh, on you. So, uh, and, and, you know, it's imperative to get, get the Browns in, in as many third and second and long and third and long situations as you can that a, because that gets them out of their, their running game. And specifically, if you get them in third and long, I know if you go back and look at that game against the Bengals, you know, in some situations where Deshaun Watson had to go empty, uh, there, they weren't very good in those situations. So, uh, that's a ticket, uh, first down, uh, uh, stopping the run to potentially leading to third and long situations to get them off the field. Yeah, that's ideal. Although, you know, I don't know how much of a factor weather was in week one because they played in a pretty heavy, you know, rainstorm out there against the Bengals. And I meant, you know, it's not going to be 
those conditions won't exist tonight. And so we'll see how the Browns look. Although they, again, they won't have Amari Cooper in this one, but yeah, it, it's a fair point overall. I know that if you look at the box score, the carry share between Chubb and Ford looks pretty close. I think Chubb had maybe four more carries than Ford, but most of that for Ford, the backup came in the fourth quarter. I think through through the first three quarters, Chubb out carried him like 16 to four or something, something you know pretty large. So Chubb is still that number one guy. He's in the passing game more too. He got four passes last week. And so without Kareem Hunt, without kind of more of a, truer third down back you've seen Chubb probably expand his game a little bit yeah they'll use they'll definitely uh use him in in that screen game as well too and uh or as a dump off uh 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 option as well too so you've got to be concerned with every element uh of of, of the game when 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 Nick Chubb's out there because right four for twenty one uh, receiving in there and he he had a hundred six you know, what do you have one hundred twenty seven total yards from scrimmage in that game and he touched the football twenty two times in total so Mister Chubb is definitely mm-hmm. going to have the Steelers' attention Monday night for sure as he always does with this passing game I think you said it well Dave they're constrained plays they're going to make their you know, play action passes, you know, look like their run scheme. So you're going to get, you know, those stretch looks that are going to become boots and play action. They're going to occasionally, you know, pull the guard to get a false key. And so you really have to be disciplined with your eyes and be ready for the play action game. Yeah. I remember uh, in Joku's had some pretty decent games against this team as of late, right? Yeah. What did he have? What did he do last year? I know Cooper went off in that one game. I know Njoku has been a guy on the rise and he's had a bumpy career, you know, almost wanted out of Cleveland, stayed, you know, got paid, I think. What did he do in 2022? Uh, Wasn't it that first game that he really mm, you're right. went, went, went crazy on? Yeah. Nine catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. And even the finale, four catches, 42 yards and a touchdown. So two games, what is that? 13 grabs for buck 30 and two touchdowns yeah that that's awfully productive right so i mean yeah, there's a lot of things to worry about uh in here but uh it all yeah, i mean it all starts with stopping a run and then you take your chances uh from there and then on top of that and this was kind of one of my you know obviously stopping chubb is uh uh key to this game uh one of my other five keys in this game especially when looking at uh, the browns offensively is you know, Deshaun Watson will take off with the football, and especially on some of those rollouts, uh, if he doesn't see what he likes, he'll 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 tuck it and run. He did so, uh, I think, uh, what was it, six times last week uh, against the uh, uh, against the Bengals that he took off with the football there, and I think dating back to uh, to last season, he averaged something around uh, six times a game. I'm trying to pull up stats here, yeah, five times for forty five yards and a touchdown. Uh, 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 Watson had in that game against the Bengals, and he even had, I think, a two-point uh, conversion uh, run late in the game on top of it. So, uh, I mean, he's still fairly young. He still uses his legs pretty well, and he's not, he's not you know, if you're going to play some man in this situation, you know, you're, you, you obviously, your pass rush has got to be mm-hmm. uh, consistent in staying in the rush lanes, and then you know, cornerbacks have, you know, have got to be cognizant that, you know, it's been three seconds is, 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 you know, and my back's turned. Do I need to maybe take a peek and see where he's at? It's a really good point. You're trying to walk that line between, I know this pass rush can get after Watson. They sacked him seven times last year. It's TJ Watt against day one Jones. That's obviously advantage Watt. It's Alex Highsmith on Jedrick Wills, their left tackle. Highsmith has generally owned Wills over the years. So those guys can get after him. But how do you balance that between wanting to, to sack him versus rushing smart? And as you said, preserving rush lane integrity. And because, you know, on the first two third downs in week one, Watson tried to take off and in the red zone, you got to alert the quarterback draw. He ran for a touchdown on a design quarterback power out of empty. So, you know, kind of 10, 15 yard line there and empty have to alert quarterback draw there. Um, But just in, in more general terms, yeah, in terms of him scrambling and breaking contain or stepping up and taking off, it's hard to play man against that. So, it's a really good point, and I don't know how well to walk that line because you need pressure. You need sacks. He's someone that, that can and probably will be sacked multiple times tonight, but how do you weigh that versus him breaking off a 20-yard run on third and eight? 
And look, uh, you go back and you rewatch that game. You know, they had 350 total net yards of offense against the Bengals, and it wasn't the best game for Deshaun Watson throwing the football. Now, weather impacted that. We already talked about, man, there was a couple of home run balls that you have to wonder if it's uh, if it's if it's sunny, if it's a clear day uh, and, and the air's not thick like was was the case in Cleveland last week. Uh, I mean, you're looking at, you know, him throwing for over 300 yards and probably three touchdowns uh, in that game. So they were still able to do what they really wanted to do. Now, they weren't great on third downs in that game. And once again, I think that's another, you know, uh, a, a byproduct that you hope to get yourself into, get, get them into some third and long situations because they were just uh, four or 14 on third downs last week. But, but once again, they still managed to put 24 points up on the board, 350 uh, total net yards of, 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 of offense. And yet uh, uh, Deshaun Watson only completed 16 of 29 passes for 154 yards in that game. So uh, I would, I, it's supposed to be clear tonight, right? Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. It's going to be good weather. Yeah. There were a couple of just, he threw like three curls that just died, just were at the receiver's feet. And, and that's probably some week one rust coupled with the weather conditions. I would expect a more consistent and technical version of Watson tonight. And look, anytime you get an opportunity of him giving you one, uh, you you damn sure better take it. And we, we saw the Steelers be opportunistic uh, last year uh, in in in, the, in that late season game against him. What Le- what Levi Wallace had one and and Casey had one, right. didn't he? You jumped that uh, route, yeah. Right. So uh, if he gives you one, you damn sure better take it. I think the other, just one last note for their offense is how do you defend Elijah Moore? He's kind of their version of Debo Samuel, acquired from the Jets. Yeah, the, the, the first, I think I mentioned this on Friday, the first snap the Browns had of their season, Moore's in the backfield as a running back, and Chubb's at fullback, and Chubb got the carry on that one, but Moore had two carries and a couple of catches. He's going to move all around. We talked to Scott Petrak, who said you know, their, their goal is to use him as uh, with as much versatility as possible. So identifying him, and especially with Cooper being out, they're probably going to lean on a guy like Elijah Moore all the more. Right. And, you know, obviously what Goodwin's got some uh, speed in there and, and more. I mean, they've, they've got uh, people that are good route runners. And, uh, People's Jones didn't have a, a big game, but uh, we've seen in his short time in the NFL that he can get down the field and make plays as well, too. So, yeah, they're not going to have a it doesn't sound like they're going to have Amari Cooper, but they've still got personnel that can get it done in the passing game. No doubt. Let's flip over to the defense. And I think when we talk about this defense, David has to start with their front. Jim Schwartz, the new DC, of course, Miles Garrett, but he's not alone. Zadarius Smith, uh, the, the Texans player whose name I can't pronounce too well, but he's a, a talented guy. Uh, they run true five man down fronts. They stunt, they twist, they move Garrett around. If you want to beat this Browns defense, you got to beat that Browns front. Absolutely. And we saw, I think, three or four times in that game against the Bengals of them moving uh, Garrett around. Not only does he play uh, both sides, uh, they lined him up over the center. Uh, what was it? Four times. I think those were what did I say? Those were third and long situations uh, through mm-hmm. three of those. Our four of those were third and long situations where he's lined up over the center there standing up. So I would expect to see more of that. Uh, man, he that 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 Euro step basketball crossover uh, step, you know, that that's hard to defend. So uh, the best way to prevent uh, Miles Garrett from lining up uh, in, in in the middle there is don't get in those third and long uh, situations. So that's one thing that stuck out with him. And look, he's you know it doesn't matter which side he rushes from. He's a he's a challenge. So Dan Moore Jr. and Chiquamo Core Four have definitely got to be on their p's and q's. And once again, uh, the the opportunities you you better be ready to defend him coming up the gut in those situations. Another thing that stuck out uh, to me on some second and long situations is they give you those they give you that double barrel look right. With uh, mm-hmm. uh, with both those line, both those inside linebackers uh, lined up uh, in 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 the A gaps there. Now I think they did that three times in total. I think the first two times uh, they uh, they dropped those guys back in coverage, but uh, the last time later in the game they sit not only sit those guys, but they sit Delpit uh, a- as well too. So uh, they have tendencies uh, uh, down distance wise and because of the success that they had with those tendencies, 
I, I think you're going to see him carry over. I don't think I Jim Swartz is. I don't think he's too concerned about uh, those one week con, uh, tendencies. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a really aggressive attacking demeanor for not just the D-line, but the entire defense. I mean, they they want to jump routes. The safeties want to cut crosses. They want to be aggressive. They rally to the football well. I mean, they kind of have this, and I think, um, well, I mean, it's an old adage, but it's it's the idea of stop the run on your way to the quarterback. They want to you know get upfield. They want to be aggressive, and they want to you know create chaos that way, and they're kind of gap shooting more than they are two-gapping and just taking on blocks, and they got the the skill guys to do it. They beefed up their interior line with Tomlinson. And if Ika plays in this game, it's another, you know, big body up front. That's going to help plug the run, which was a real issue for them last year. But yeah, I think, you know, we talked about Garrett and how creatively they're using him. I think generally speaking, he was kind of used more on um, what would be a core four side on early downs, but in those money downs passing situations, that's when he would go back to his home at right defensive end, which would be against Dan Moore jr. Or as you said, uh, standing up, playing that off-ball linebacker in the A-gap, and they can do a lot of stuff with him. So, you know, just how do you how do you identify, you know, your protections and how do you adjust and pick up stunts and twists? How do you communicate and pass things off? That's going to be really critical in this game. Look, you're begging for it if you get in a lot of second and third, third and long situations in this game. Plain and but, simple. But uh, I would say the, the Bengals last week, their average third down was third and six. And that was top 10, cl- like least, like best third down situation. They were one and seven and third and five or closer last week. So it, it was weird. Like they didn't have a good day on third down. But even when they were up close, they still couldn't convert. Right. Bur- I mean, Burrow was not on his game yeah. uh, uh, either. And uh, look, uh, you know, the best combination you know, to, 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 to slow guys like Garrett down is be able to run at him, you know? Sure, so, sure. uh, you go back to last week, obviously the Steelers only had what nine, uh, nine, nine rushes by the, uh, running backs and all and, and, and game situations, circumstances, uh, you know, got you out, out of that, but even digging deeper into those numbers, I mean, look, they were able to get, uh, Darnell Washington on the field for a lot of snaps, over 20 snaps in that game. Uh, However, uh, there was what I think only four instances of 12 personnel with two, you know, two tight ends on the field with Washington being one of those that they ran the football on. So even though they ran nine times, only four of them came out of uh, uh, 12 personnel with Washington on the field. What is your what's your we, we need to come out of this game knowing what your identity is on offense here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we talked a lot about that bully ball, uh, you know, uh, 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 during the offseason and all like that. Uh, the identity of this offense right now is three and out. Uh, and that's not a very obviously not a very good identity to have uh you have to ball control this you have to keep their defense off the field you have to be able to run the football and uh part of that we've got to see darnell what we've got i i I think we've got to see a lot more 12 personnel in this game with firemuth and darnell washington on the field and you've got to get your big body dude on uh, Darnell on, 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 on these edge guys and run that way. With Johnson being out, do you expect them to lean on those heavier, more condensed personnel and, and, and packages more in this game? I mean, I don't think it's going to be like an 80, 20 split, but sure. by, by, by no means, but, but at least uh, their intent, their approach. Yeah. I, I, I would like to think that that's how they're going to come out in this game. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, again, game script totally got them out of what their intentions were and any semblance of personality. So of course you can't fall behind. If you want to play to your identity, you can't be down 14, nothing so quickly down 20, nothing by, you know, midway through the second quarter. And so that obviously is going to be really important because the Browns, we know who the Browns are and the Browns are going to, you know, play to their strength and play to their identity. Can Pittsburgh match that and, and truly play to their personality that's going to be really critical. But yeah, I mean, can you run the ball against that tough front? When they go five defensive linemen, literal five guys with their hand in the dirt, can you stop that? You got to win your one-on-one blocks. And if you can do that, then you can get running backs into the second level and create some space. You might be able to bust off a, a good-sized run, but getting through that first level is going to be critical. And I think, too, I think you're going, uh, you know, one of the things to come out of that first game on Browns defensively is they're, they're certainly not afraid to play man, are they? Uh uh, and, and I, I think that they're going to be willing to try to test that early on, 
against the Steelers. And, you know, another way to slow down that pass rush when you do pass is get the ball out quick, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you've got to have guys like Calvin Austin and George Pickens uh, and really uh, uh, Allen Robinson II uh, win these one-on-one situations in man situations and get off the line quickly, get open. you got to get the ball out of Kenny Pickett's hands uh, as quickly as possible uh, in this game. And obviously staying out of third and long situations, second along where you're more, te- you'll have the tendency to hold the football a little bit longer. Uh, not having your best route runner in Deontay Johnson yeah. Uh, it, it, it is, is not great on this. Uh, and, you know, I know the Browns have come out and said, well, you know, Calvin Austin's going to have our attention uh, as well, too. And you'd like to think that George Pickens is going to have their, uh, their, their attention as well, too. When you get those one-on-one situations with, with Pickens on the outside, uh, you know, pre- press man, You've got to be able to take your shots down the field on that, either back shoulder or or up over the top. Uh, Pickens, you know, has got to win, uh, uh, you know, obviously several of those. But I, I think the real wild card in this one might be Calvin Austin, and 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 even despite uh, which uh, who, who who was it Ward uh, mm-hmm. say saying that uh, you know he's going to have their 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 attention, but. Uh, I think they. I think for the Steelers to win this game or at least keep this game close, I think Calvin Austin is is the the one that needs to be have have a big game here. I think you need to get you know, and it's something that we screamed all off season, man. You got to get this ball to your playmakers out in space. That should be the theme, along with running the establishing the run early. Is get the ball to these guys. I'm not talking about. Uh, curls and comebacks and all like that. You've got to get these guys running uh, slants or vertical or, or, or what have you and get the football out, out to guys like Calvin Austin out in space and let him uh, 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 give, get an opportunity to deliver a, you know, a single, a double, a triple explosive play. Sure. And I'm with you every step of the way there, Dave. Yeah, I think Pickens, he's going to get some of those one-on-one looks, especially backside. If you get him as the, the uh, isolated X receiver, they kind of run some, uh, we can call it Meg, you know, calls where it's man everywhere he goes. They're going to lock the backside in three by one. They're going to zone to the trip side. So you can get picking some back shoulder opportunities or some slant. Maybe he breaks a tackle, busts off a big play. I, I know the answer to this is both because it's always both. It's always coaching and scheme and players executing. But what is more important for these Steelers receivers to win without Deontay Johnson against those tough top three corners in Ward? In Emerson and in Newsom, is it more important for the players to 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 win the route, or is it more important for Matt Canada to scheme it up so these guys have a better chance to get open and win the route? Well, look, if you just uh, if you're not running switch route combinations and you're running a lot of that same stuff uh, that you that, that that you know very independent routes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're also begging for it against the, uh, these corners. You know, so yeah, you to, we've got to see better combinations, uh, quick combinations as well too. And uh, so I mean, yeah, they they both are very very important. But the the receivers at the core got to get the separation uh, in here as well too. And that's uh, that's really where I think Calvin Austin comes into play in this. I think he gives you a better uh, a better chance of being between guys like Allen Robinson and George Pickens and Calvin Austin. I think Austin gives you the better chance to get that early, uh, early snap uh, separation. Yeah, for me, I mean, again, it is obviously both, but I think Canada has to scheme some things up. Maybe you run more two by two and don't just mirror every single concept in your playbook. Uh, but maybe you do, if you go three by one, you do some more stacks and bunches. It'll create some of those free releases so those cornerbacks can't press and jam and reroute and disrupt the timing. I think that's going to be really important. So, and, and it can't just be, as you said, all independent routes. Where everybody's just kind of trying to win their route and beat their man. You're not going to, you're not going to win that way. So Pittsburgh really has to, I think, put some defenders in conflict and, you know, scheme things up to the point where uh, the Browns might have some miscommunication or guys getting picked or just trying to pass things off. Something that'll help create some separation for Pittsburgh's wide receivers. Rub them off. Yeah, for sure on that. So any other thoughts here for this defense, the linebackers, we didn't talk about them too much. JOK. He's an athletic sideline to sideline dude. Talkie talk. He's more of a strong side guy. Um, Any other final thoughts on the defense? 
Yeah, I want I want those uh, what guys in that secondary to have to make tackles. Yeah, for sure. Although I think I mean, of course you want them to, but they can tackle. I mean, sure. Denzel Ward was shown a lot of physicality, and they're hopefully get you know Thornhill back. So those guys, I think it's a it's a really aggressive defense. Can you use that to your advantage? You know, one one thing, and this is partially because of the game script. The the Bengals in Week One were the only team not to run play action once because they got down so right. much and so early. And so the Browns have not seen play action in the regular season. The only team not to. And so can you try to run that? Of course, if you can get a run game going, it'll kind of help maybe establish that a bit better. Um, but maybe use some play action, double move, try to use that aggressiveness against the Browns. Yeah, and don't and and as part of all this, don't forget that you have Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, yeah, kind of underrated. Like only one catch last week. It was a touchdown. It was a big catch, but yeah, only one catch. How often does Fryermuth go in a game with only one reception? How I mean, often does that small, happen? Small sample size, but it probably happened. How many times has it happened? I mean, I imagine it's happened occasionally. But let's use the internet here. Uh, that was just the fourth time in his career that he had either zero or just one reception. Right. And looks like the other instances occurred during his rookie year. And I think actually against the Browns in the finale last year too, he had zero catches in that game. Although it looks like he played, he didn't get hurt in that one. But uh, anyway, uh, I think Frymo is going to be a really important weapon in this game. Right. I agree. Final thought here. I think uh, my X factor for this game is is Presley Harvin the third. I think just overall field position. If you're gonna if you're gonna beat the Browns, it's probably gonna be a close game, and so field position becomes really important overall. And so it's not just him. It's got to be the the coverage guys and the gunners and all the you know the penalties, like the face mask they had last week. But I think Harvin's got to be a guy that can flip the field because you don't want to give the Browns any more advantages to what they probably already have. I'm going to say Calvin Austin's mine. I think he needs okay. to have a big, big, big game. I think, he need, I, I think he needs to bust. You know, I think, uh, look, you go back to that college stat, what, nearly once every uh, 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 four, four times he touched the football, you know, he delivered an explosive play. Uh, this team already showed it, it struggled in week one to create explosive plays. Uh, they need a good five or six of them in this game. Do you expect Austin to primarily play on the outside as he did last week? I know they're going to mix and match, not going to be 100%, but do you think it's going to be basically Austin as your X, Pickens, your Z, and Robinson in the slot? I do, but uh, I know that we talked about this the other day that the media seems to think it'll be, you know, maybe opposite of that, that Austin will play more in the slot. I mean, nothing says that, that he can't, but I mean, and, and I know, uh, trying to change out of your game script after Deontay, uh, went, went down might, might be a little bit, uh, tougher, tougher last week there. But I mean, I, 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 I think personally, I'm expecting for what we saw in that, in that opener, uh, even after Deontay left, I, I expect to see. Now you'll see. I think Austin in the slot some in this yeah. game, yeah, but uh, I I I tend to believe that based on what I've seen seen so far that after this game, we're going to say that it was it was you know more two to one or three to one with with Austin you know uh, being outside as opposed to the slot. Okay, that's fair. That makes sense. I think that's probably the best way Pittsburgh can go about it. But yeah, him beating press coverage on the outside is going to be. Really important overall. So, uh, where else to go from here, Dave? Should we make our predictions now? Or are we saving that? How are we how are we handling that here on this Monday? Well, I guess we'll go ahead and get the predictions done and get to get to some emails, huh? All right, I'll go first here with my prediction. And I know we've talked up the Browns a ton, but we you know generally try to be you know give them the other team credit for where their strengths are. Um, but I think it's a good team. I think on paper. And it is just on paper. We know the AFC is going to be close and competitive like it essentially always is. But on paper, the Browns, I think, come in with a better offense and the better defense. I think Pittsburgh will have to try to close that gap, that margin on special teams. But when you don't have Cam Hayward, when you allowed, you know, whatever it was, 180 some yards for the 49ers in week one. And when you look at this. Browns defense, their pass rush, their secondary, the way that they really took it to Cincinnati. Again, I think weather played an impact. Maybe Burroughs cap played an impact as well, but still just an A-plus performance. I think Pittsburgh's going to have to really dig deep in this one. And listen, they play, they seem to play well when the chips are down, when they're the underdog. They're not giving the credit that they think they deserve or they think they should get or whatever the case is. But end of the day, I just think that Browns run game is just going to be too much. So I got this one. 
Cleveland 24, Pittsburgh 14, and I have a, a bad gut feeling, and maybe I'm wrong, often I am, but I have a bad gut feeling this one could kind of get ugly, similar to the 49ers game, but I got Cleveland winning by 10, 24 to 14. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and one other uh, key to this game, and we talked about, you know, uh, stopping uh, Mr. Chubb. We, uh, I, I identified uh, Austin in space, uh, Mount Washington rides. You got to have some Mount Washington rides, right? When you're in Pittsburgh. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and desist dashing Deshaun. We talked about that uh, Deshaun with his feet. Uh, one of the other keys, and it's, it's an obvious one, rookie watching. Uh, Watt versus the rookie day. Oh, rookie nice. I like Watt, it. Watching. Uh, so we're watching the rookie uh, 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 tonight. Uh, look, TJ Watt needs to have a big game in this one. You know, I, he, uh, I, uh, another three game sack, get that ball out one or two times, game, game record stuff, game record uh, kind of stuff that he's done in the past. Uh, he needs to have a big game in this. Uh, my pick is based uh, in total, totally on situation and trends and for, forget for forgiveness. All right. Okay. Uh, look, they, there, there's no reason to think that from what we saw, you know, it, it's easy to be down on this team coming out of week one. Uh, however, comma, I did have them losing that game to the 49ers. I had them bouncing back against the Browns prior to, uh, the season and getting their first win. Um, you look at all the trends, this is a trend pick more, more so than a confidence pick. You know, the Steelers obviously what 20 and 0 in their last 20 on Monday night, uh, football, uh, the bounce back stat related to, uh, uh, Tomlin teams coming out of big losses. Uh, you got, uh, the 1952 stat that we've already talked about that, uh, first time said this would be the first time since 1952, the students have lost, uh, back-to-back home games in weeks one and two of a season. Uh, boy, what else is in play here? The, 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 the Browns in Pittsburgh. I mean, you, you got so many streets yeah. involved. They haven't uh, started two and O since 1993. The Browns. Right, haven't. right. So I'm, I call this Dave's trend pick of the week here, uh, because my confidence level, uh, I'm just playing the odds and the trends here. I think this is an, uh, an ugly game. I think this is a, a, a low scoring uh, game altogether. I think the, the Steelers do just enough to hang around uh, in this one. I don't think we'll be, uh, I think we'll still have concerns potentially about the offense coming out of this uh, altogether, but I'm going to say the Steelers win this one in ugly fashion, 19 to 17. Ooh, the 19, that is a lot of field goals or a missed extra point or safety. How are we getting 19? So yes. <laughs> whatever yeah, whatever the how, case how, is. However you uh, deem that uh, needed. Uh, hopefully this ends up, I, I envision this as a, as a late game uh uh, winning drive that you know that, that, that you get a field goal to uh, to to take the lead here. So uh, once again, not not very confident in this uh, pick at all. This is a trend pick. This is uh, I picked the uh, the Steelers to beat the Browns before the season started in week two after losing to the 49ers. That's this is what this pick is for me. And and boy, do they need to win as yeah. we hit 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 at the top of the show. If, if there was an on-field reason that's giving you some level of confidence and you're making this just primarily based off of the, the historical trends of it all, but if there's an on-field reason that you had to cite for why you're picking Pittsburgh, what would it be? I just, uh, Tomlin's ability to get this team to bounce back and focus okay. and, 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 and the importance of it and all. Yeah, because I mean, again, I don't, I, I know it's AFC North, it's always close, you can kind of throw some of these things out the window, but what on-field matchup, you know, do they have the advantage over Cleveland in right now? It, it's hard for me to find that. And I know it's just, you know, just week one, and that can be, you know, fool's errand. And it's a long scope of a season that we'll have to, to see how it plays out. But I just don't see where Pittsburgh has a bunch of winning matchups on paper right now. Look, I, I think it's big that they don't, that they might not have Amari Cooper on that other side. You know, sure. and that that allows them maybe to even focus a little bit more on 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 stopping the run. 
Right. But of course, you know, Pittsburgh, it kind of gets washed because Pittsburgh doesn't have Deontay Johnson. So to me, that kind of ends up being more of a wash than a Pittsburgh advantage. All right. But uh, we'll see. I mean, again, these things can be close. And you're right. I mean, Pittsburgh at home, all all the history says that, you know, Pittsburgh's going to be able to bounce back. And let's hope that they do. All right, Dave, let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Let me sort them out real quick here. We have. Uh, who do we have? Oh, no, I don't think we have any in here from the other day since the other day here. I think everybody's <laughs> sitting on their sitting on their hands mm-hmm. right now here. So, uh, from what I'm looking, looking at no new emails in here, uh, since the Friday show here, everybody's on pins and needles waiting to send them after the game. I'm sure. All right. So what's our plan? Will we do a show for Tuesday? I'm guessing, or how do you yeah. want to handle? Okay. Yeah, I guess, I guess we can. Cause look, uh, well, we'll have, uh, it might be a later show, though, right? Because Mike Tomlin speaks T- uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I assume, I have not seen the official schedule, but I assume he's going to speak tomorrow. All right. So uh, that'll give us maybe a little bit time to hit some of the tape and all like that. Yeah. So uh, folks can expect a, a little bit later, uh, later afternoon Tuesday show as we wrap up uh, the Browns game and uh, cover uh, anything of importance that Mike Tomlin said during his Tuesday press conference. Then sound good. Sure. Yeah, just real quick, any week two thoughts overall for the NFL? Where where are you at in the AFC North? You see the Bengals. Do you think the Bengals are in serious trouble? Do you think they can bounce back the way that they did last year and the Ravens two and zero to start their season? I don't know. Joe Burrow's complaining about that calf already, right? Mm-hmm. You know, now they. I think the that the uh, the schedule kind of uh, play a little bit into their into their favor. Who do the Bengals have coming up here? I think. The Rams, I want to say, mm, and that's probably check. that's probably not a gimme coming out of uh, the no. way the Rams played. Yeah, it's Rams next Monday night. Okay, and then they get Tennessee. I think after that, there. Uh, look, uh, uh, Baltimore uh, certainly is doing what they need to do. Lamar Jackson with a couple of really nice throws, and uh, 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 Zay uh, mm-hmm. Zay look you know looks like Baltimore may have finally found found out found <laughs> out a way to draft a wide receiver, right? Uh, he, he looks like he might be the real deal. Uh, they were able to get a, a lot of things done that they wanted to do, uh, on both sides of the football, the, uh, the Ravens did. So, uh, look, all of this said and done a win, a win on Monday night, no matter how you get it, the Steelers will enter week three as the second place team in the AFC North. Yeah. And I don't care how they get it. I don't care if it's the worst looking quote unquote win, you know, ever just get, get the win. I mean, that, that's all that matters here. Right. Uh, deep passing seems to be struggling overall in the NFL, uh, continuing on that, that seems to be a little bit of a trend right now. Yeah. I hadn't looked at it too much. I know there's kind of been, you've seen a lot more too high, you know, the, to defend the deep ball in the Mahomes of the world, which kind of takes away some of that and forces teams to, to dink and dunk, but some, some big pass plays some downfield pass plays, but not hurt my feelings tonight. All right. They need some explosive plays. If we're not talking about five or six explosive plays by the Steelers uh, uh, Tuesday morning, I'm not so sure we're talking about a Steelers win. So anyway, all right, we'll get back after it on Tuesday afternoon then uh, there. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do, want to donate, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar. Thank you for spending this last, what, hour with us. Uh, enjoy the game. Uh, we'll obviously be wrapping it up uh, on in, into the early Tuesday morning. And as we mentioned, going to be back and talking about it on another episode uh, of the podcast late Tuesday afternoon. So as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.